this edition of Hoosology, we welcome NBA TV host Chris Miles onto the show to discuss many of the league's hot topics, including what should the league do in regards to the Nikolai Jokic and Markeith Morris scuffle, the NBA rules changes, and a lot more. This was a very fun chat with Chris. He brings a lot of insight and a lot of energy, so you'll enjoy this chat. So without further ado, here is Chris Miles. He is a host for NBA TV. We welcome Chris Miles onto Hoopsology. How's it going, Chris? It's going great. I mean, it's been a surprising start to the season, and that's exactly the way you want to see it, right? For sure. Um, it, it's been a lot of surprises. And let's get to one big surprise that happened with the Denver Nuggets and the Miami Heat in terms of what happened at the end of that game. Just want to get your thoughts, Chris, in terms of Nikolai Jokic um, and Markeith Morris, just that confrontation. Um, what did you think of that whole thing? And do you think the Joker um, should be suspended for a long period of time? Or do you think, hey, both that's kind of they got caught up in the heat of the moment and kind of bygones be guy, bygones, find them and move on? What, what's your thoughts on the situation? So I'll leave that up to Monty McCutcheon as far as how long they'll get suspended. But I think both uh, Nikola Jokic and uh, Morris should be suspended for this reason. I thought that uh, Jokic should be suspended because of what he could have ended up doing to Keith, right? Like hitting him in the back and he fell. But I thought uh, Keith was wrong uh, going underneath him like that when he's trying to throw a pass when you're ahead by, what was it, 16 or 17 in a game late in the fourth quarter And then turning your head like that, um, it's just one of those things where that was really egregious to me. Like if if you've ever Mm – and and it was interesting because I looked at the reaction on Twitter and I was like, oh, Nicole Jokic, dirty. And I was like, oh, really? And I looked I was like, no, it's the opposite way around uh, the way I see it. Um, Anytime your head's above your shoulders and like someone clips you underneath, it's kind of like in football. If a quarterback is throwing a pass and a guy goes underneath, what do they call that – a target area, defenseless. Uh, so they even have those rules in football. So I think Keith did that, didn't like that. Uh, it's also weird for me because, as you guys know, working for NBA TV, I get to know these guys a bit. And the last thing I would say to Mark Keith Morris's face is, you dirty man. So like, <laughs> I still even tread lightly around that because that's a big, um, strong dude. So I think they're, they're both wrong for – uh, what they did should be suspended a game, but I kind of like seeing that stuff. If, that, if that's okay to say, uh, just to see it go back, because I'm a 1990s Knicks fan. So there's that. Is there like a fine line though with physicality? And I noticed with the rules changes, the games have been a lot more physical, which I agree with you, Chris. I think it's been better for the product, but at the same time, is there a fear of going in totally the opposite direction where we get into just fights all the time and just a lot more animosities? There's like a healthy balance in terms of having that physicality, having it be chippy, but not having guys want to like fight each other in the octagon. <laughs> after the game. Yeah. I, I think where it is right now is a good place, but I understand what you're saying because one of the reasons they had the uh, freedom of movement changes to the rules was simply because guys were body slamming each other on a court. And that's ugly. You get like a 79 to 78 playoff game and that that sort of thing. But at the same token, I think it was two years ago or whatever year it was that James Harden led the league in scoring and was up there in assist. And if you watched it, it's like guys would come up the court and only the offensive players would initiate contact. And that to me was awful. It was awful for basketball and a generation of, of kids were growing up with that. And you go to the gym and you see it and you couldn't teach defensive principles to them. 
So I think that the league understood all of those things were happening and that if it carried on any longer, the next generation wouldn't be capable of playing defense. So I, I like the fact that they've changed the rules right now. Yeah, I'm totally with you on that, Chris. Just so much more enjoyable to watch games with the score. Surprisingly, you know, coming down a bit. I mean, we still have outbursts here and there with the three-point shot, of course. Is there, just subjectively in your opinion, is there a certain, like, points range or, like, a a pace that you like to see for basketball in general? What is kind of that that right balance to you? You know, Justin talked about that balance in physicality. What's the right pace of the game? Well, I think players now are so are, are more skilled. And I think anyone in their right mind would tell you that. So I think because of how much better, you know, three-point shooters are, mid-range shooters are, um, I think the scoring is going to stay, you know, decent. I don't think it's going to drop off to where guys are only. But what you're going to see is more blowouts. Like you're going to see a team understanding what to do to another team defensively, and you're going to have skewed scores. I'm okay with that. We uh, did the the NBA bet stream last week where we had the Celtics and the Heat. And the Heat came into the game. I think they had won like six in a row, you know, best defensive rating in the lead. And the Celtics uh, smacked them simply because they just locked in on defense and they had the right strategy that particular game. And it's like, oh, who would have guessed that? No one. Coming into that game, no one would have thought that would occur. So I think it also on a night-to-night basis makes the league less predictable, which is also good. Chris, I want to ask you about some of the teams that have gone to a surprising start, and that's the Chicago Bulls and the New York Knicks. Now, you know, we're early in the season, and there's plenty of times where you can get caught up in the excitement of these teams getting off to hot starts. Uh, full disclosure, I'm a Chicago Bulls fan, so I'm trying to keep my expectations tempered at this point. But what you observed so far uh, with the Bulls and the Knicks, and they've had their you know recent struggles in recent years, the Knicks less so, the Bulls more so. Um, do you think with their rosters comprised, do you think they pose any kind of a threat come playoff time? Or do you think, you know, when we're talking about the Sixers, Bucks, Nets, Hawks, um, we're, we're going to imp- – Bucks, we're going to see that hierarchy take place, and the teams, even with we could put the Washington Wizards in that conversation too, with the you know next Bulls and Wizards, we're going to see them kind of fall off when it comes to like playing that gritty playoff basketball. Well, first things first, um, let's go with the Chicago Bulls because coming into the season after summer league, I said, you know what, the Bulls made some bold moves, but they're going to go as far as Pat Williams develops, and when he went down, I'm like, you know, to me. I feel like they'll make the playoffs, they'll be good, but I can't see them advancing past. Like, I see them getting to the second round, maybe. But he was kind of the one that was like, okay, he could, if he takes his game even to one level up, and is that defender that's on, you know, some player who's like a Tatum, uh, let's say the Celtics, they face Celtics in the city, I'm just using, uh, in, this, in the playoffs, saying if like a guy like Tatum, like, oh, put Patrick Williams on. They just, they miss, they're missing that now. Um, and I just look at their roster and I go, they have everything except that young player that can develop and become better. You know, like all the guys are who I think they are and who they're going to be. And they're veterans, Levine and DeRozan, even Lonzo to an extent. Like I know what they're going to do. So I kind of have them figured out and I would go definitely a playoff team. I wouldn't be surprised if they get out of the first round. Second round, I don't see them getting past that. 
but it's like without Patrick Williams developing, that's what I think about them, and I'm stuck there. Now, uh, biggest surprise for me has been the Cleveland Cavaliers. So I know you didn't mention them, but the way Evan Mobley has come in, That's true. Um, he and Scotty Barnes are one and two for rookie of the year. And he's such a difference maker and bringing in marketing who couldn't really figure it out in Chicago, but fits in, in Cleveland and the fro. I didn't understand how um, Houston didn't keep him and how Brooklyn let him. I just never understood how he was part of anything because I think he's so valuable in today's NBA. So Cleveland is kind of the team that I'm like, I don't know how good they can be. They could be the Hawks this season. I'd be like, well, how did this happen? Um, and as far as the Knicks are concerned, interesting. They have so many guys that make me think of Patrick Williams. Obi Toppin, Emmanuel Quickly. Uh, those two guys seem to be developing. And even Jericho Sims, their second-round pick this year. And don't forget, their run last year, Mitchell Robinson wasn't healthy. So, like, if all of those guys continue to get better – I think the Knicks could be the team that emerges out of the East um, if Kimball Walker and Derrick Rose are healthy in the postseason. So I hope that that answered your question. It was a pretty loaded yeah. one, so I tried to cover all the bases. For sure. Chris, um, let's talk about the Wizards because you – correct me if I'm wrong, but you you spent a lot of time covering Washington sports, correct? Yeah, so I just moved to Atlanta. I spent yeah. seven years uh, covering the Wizards. Yeah, how did you feel about the Westbrook trade first and foremost? And then is this result to start the season a, a surprise for you? Did you kind of think with Dinwiddie coming in that this is sort of the expectation? Um, how do you feel about the Wizards in general? Uh, first and foremost, I think moving into the Tommy Shepard era in the front office, the second he took over, I think he was a hardworking guy that got overlooked for a long period of time. Hmm. And I liked it immediately. Uh, because you're rewarding someone for being loyal, for um, being with with your team for a long period of time. Now, um, some of the moves he made, starting with Daniel Gafford at the trade deadline last year, I was like, what? And then it popped. And he earned my respect immediately. So when he traded Russell Westbrook, and I saw the pieces he got back. I was like, well, I don't think these guys are going to stay there, right? Like, these are transitional pieces that don't seem like they'll be happy in D.C. And then they made a move for with the head coach, Wes Sunsell Jr. And it seems like he's gotten all the new guys to buy in. So now you have a team that had a bunch of young pieces that didn't fit around Bradley Beal to this loaded veteran team that outside of Bradley Beal are kind of like a bunch of guys who – you know, had won championships with KCP and Kyle Kuzma, but you go, well, how good is he really? You know, and so they all have this chip on their shoulder. Or even like you said, Spencer Dinwiddie coming off of injury, be kind of being the guy with the Nets that they're like, yeah, we don't really need you. Um, I, I just think a, it's a group of guys, a motley crew that all have something to prove with a head coach getting an opportunity for the first time, with a front office guy and, and Tommy Shepard getting the opportunity for the first time after spending so much time in the league um, in different positions. So I think that's what you're seeing with the Wizards, a bunch of guys who really, truly want to prove that um, they belong, like that they, that they deserve some respect in the league. What are your thoughts on Bradley Beal in general? I, I feel like it's he and Dame Lillard are kind of this old school mold with how they've tried to stick with their uh, drafting team franchise. You know, I I don't, criticize players for mobility and that kind of thing. I mean, 
certainly business choices are involved, but what are your thoughts on Bradley Beal and, and his loyalty to that organization and, and just as an athlete in general and being there the last seven years? Well, Bradley Beal is an exceptional human being, just a good person, right? Mm -hmm. So let's start with that. And people need to just understand that. Um, second part of it, man, I, I think with him, if you look at the business savvy of, well, the way the NBA is structured right now, if I make an all-star team, if I make all NBA, this is the team that can pay me the most. Everyone's jumping around trying to win a championship. What is that putting in your bank account? <laughs> right? Mm, I point. mean, I don't know if Damian Lillard feels the same way, but I tell you someone who wishes they would have uh, stuck in Sacramento probably, and that's DeMarcus Cousins. I mean, mm. you look at how much money he lost, and people forget – because Bradley Beal has worked on his body so, so hard that come his first couple of years, I mean, that was, well, are you going to pay this guy? Because his body is brittle. Well, he's he's been very disciplined. He's overcome that. Um, and every year he's increased his scoring average to last year. He was in a scoring lead before Steph went super nuclear. So I think for Brad, it's more or less finding, I think if you're trying to build a championship caliber team, he should be your second best player. And if he's your third, if he's your third best player, you should win a championship. If he's your second best player, depends on who that first best player is. I like your odds. But the Wizards uh, don't distinctly have anyone better than him. So I don't look at them as being championship contenders because of that. Chris, I want to ask you about the product on the floor this season. And there seems to be a general consensus that the the, you know, the rules changes have affected in terms of the viewership for the fans in a positive manner. Is that what you're seeing in terms of what you're hearing from fans from a early season standpoint? I, I find myself, and maybe just because this is like, you know, the first season within a couple of years and full capacity of fans, things are back to normal from a kind of basketball standpoint. Um, what do you think overall of the, the product, you know, improvement because to me i feel more more invested in the early parts of the season where in otherwise kind of the regular seasons it's kind of hard to really get invested you know this time in november but now there seems to be way more competitive games it seems like just teams are going at it on a nightly basis compared to kind of the old school nba if this team's taking nights off on a regular basis so what what have you seen so far this season well the first question i have for you right back at that sure who's the favorite to win the championship this year before entering the season, just, I was just saying, just right yep. uh, now, the Warriors. But see, before entering the season, if you said yep. that, people would say you're crazy. Exactly. And right. So, <laughs> it, to me, there isn't a prohibitive favorite. Yep. So, right. you have all of these fan bases that believe we have a shot. And then, what you have are young stars on like every team. Um, so there's like balance to the force. For instance, if you're a Houston Rockets fan, you want to, what does Jalen Green have? What is, you know, the young Michael Jackson have on the court? Cause he's got all of this stuff, right? <laughs> and you hope that you lucked out by him coming to you number two. Um, and like we were saying, Cleveland, they have hope. Uh, Orlando quietly has hope. I mean, they're playing Mo Bamba and Cole Anthony. It's like Sacramento is not terrible anymore. No. So like a lot of these teams that have been outside of New Orleans and they have signed Williamson just, you know, on the back burner outside of New Orleans, like every team has hope to start the year. Now, the other part of it, ask you who's the favorite and you're like Golden State Warriors. Well, Steph Curry is the most marketable player in the NBA. Like LeBron James is one of my – He's probably my favorite player I've ever watched play, right? Mm -hmm. LeBron, Michael, and then like Giannis are 
probably top three for me in my lifetime that I just enjoy. But Steph Curry, when, you know, I go on a cruise and someone sees me with a basketball shirt and they don't watch basketball. Oh, Steph Curry. I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? So, with, so with, the, with the Warriors being out of contention, a lot of, you know, if, you, if you're in Columbus, Ohio, where there isn't an NBA team and people just watch the Buckeyes, oh, Steph Curry's doing what? You know, like that interest is there from college football towns uh, when Steph's on. And I don't know if that's the case with LeBron. As much as I love LeBron, I think LeBron is for basketball people. And I think Steph is for the general masses. I think that he's just more loved. And I don't know if it's a three-point shot. You know, he's chasing history this year. I just I think not not having a prohibitive favorite and having those Splash Brothers coming back and the Warriors being on top of things – uh, is good for the league right now. Are you finding that with Steph Curry's popularity, does it cross all generations of people? Or is it like that separation of like hardcore basketball fans, you know, are paying attention to maybe LeBron and then kind of, like you said, the casuals are maybe seeing just like Steph Curry highlights on Twitter and TikTok. Um, this is more palatable. Well, it's the highlights. It's the, the three-point shot is the home run. The dunk is not. Like I, I used to think it was a dunk, but – it's the, the three point shot is the home run in basketball. Right. Um, I think it's, you know, the religious factor with him. There are a lot of parts in this country. You hug the Bible belt that the NBA doesn't really, you know, cater to in that way. Steph does. Um, I think it's the, the, his, his wife being out there and kind of like having her own thing. I, someone told me about her cooking show. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. Right. And actually it was my wife's friend. I was like, <laughs> I don't know about her life. And she was like, oh, yeah, well, she's doing her thing on the same level as Steph Curry. I was like, what are you talking about? Like, what has <laughs> happened? But do you see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. so all of those factors, I think, and Steph is just a great person. So anytime there's an interview with him or his face is out there, if you watch him for two minutes, you're like, I like this dude. He just, he's a likable person. So I think all of those things uh, are part of the equation. Do you think how how much of it do you think is just kind of the anomaly of a six foot three guard doing what he's been able to do? I mean, revolutionizing the game in many ways with his shooting talent compared to, you know, you see like the optics of a LeBron and a Giannis and I'm with you. I love watching them, but it's also kind of like, you know, if, if LeBron is dunking on you or whatever, that's like, yeah, LeBron's going to dunk on me all day. Whereas Curry being 6'3", I don't know, how much do you think that optics kind of plays into it? Well, it's always hilarious to me because, uh, you know, I was around Steph and his brother, Seth. I worked in Roanoke, Virginia, and their mother's from Radford, Virginia. Mm. So I saw these guys before the hoopla, okay, before the – and they're not regular or normal. Oh, right? sure. Like, and I didn't he, mean to imply that. <laughs> it's, it's almost like, you know, how we view – a-Rod or Derek Jeter as being like, oh, larger than life, shortstops, big short. It's just that it's basketball, so they don't appear that way. But, man, Steph is still an Adonis. <laughs> like, you know, he's still ripped yeah. up in incredible shape um, in 6'3", like you said. But I guess at that point, maybe he is more relatable because to scale, for people who haven't been to an NBA game or have been courtside, they look at him as being someone that maybe is more like them. But in reality, he isn't. Like, I'm six feet tall and look up at stuff, right? <laughs> so <laughs> that's kind of I, – I do agree with what you're saying, and I think it's uh, it, it's a misnomer. 
Gotcha. Do you think, you know, you mentioned all the stories, all the young talent, all the veteran talent that's out there, every team just about kind of feeling hopeful about this season. And I 100% relate to what you said about the Rockets and Jalen Green. Um, do you think the league is as deep talent wise as it's ever been? Like, are, are we in the greatest depth of talent in the league right now? You know, I thought that a few years ago. And I think that now. And when I say that, I kind of go like, man, the Memphis Grizzlies have a superstar in John Morant, but I don't know if I can categorize him as superstar because they're not winning enough, but I watch him play and that's a superstar. right? (laughs) Uh, And it's just, if you name a team, I could tell you why outside of the Pelicans, why you could or should be optimistic. And even the Pelicans, I go, the guys just aren't on the floor. Like Brandon, if Brandon Ingram and Zion were playing with Jonas Valanciunas, I'm like, oh, they should be able to turn this around. But those guys aren't on the floor, and that's why they are where they are. But, man, I mean, you name a team, and I could give you the spiel on why you should be optimistic. So, yeah, I think – and even look at Gary Payton the second. He, here's a guy that couldn't stick on the Wizards <laughs> two years ago. Like, <laughs> right. And I'm like, man, yeah. he's – He's been the G League MVP twice and all the dunks that you're seeing, all the defense, it's been there. It's not like this is some new thing with him. And I'm and I asked that question two to three years ago, like, man, why doesn't he stick on a roster? Like, I don't know about his outside shot. Ah, he's kind of small. I'm like, that dude looks like a star in 1995. So <laughs> that kind of tells you what, what you need to know about the talent level. Chris, you mentioned the Pelicans a couple of times. I want to ask you about Zion. And I've been wavering in terms of my optimism about his, you know, long-term NBA future as a superstar in the league um, as compared to when he first entered. What are your thoughts in terms of his weight? Is that a factor? Are people overblowing his, this whole thing? I mean, we, we hear, you know, Shaq and Chuck just, you know, haze on this guy every single week about you know his weight gain and about him being not being on the court when he comes back and when he's healthy what are going to be some things to make sure that you know he remains healthy and you know we can actually see zion for a long period a long stretch of time man you could probably find this interview i talked to zion when he was in high school and heard so much about his weight and the same thing you're asking me right now and he walked into that room when in a black t-shirt and the veins are popping out of his arms and he's so muscular. And I'm like, what fat? <laughs> like, that's the first thing I thought. I'm like, are you kidding me? He's built like Vernon Goldston. You probably don't remember who he is. Vernon Goldston was a you know first round pick for the Jets back in the day. That is still the most ripped human being I've ever seen. And I'm like, and he sits down. I'm like, this kid can't be 16, 17. No way. And we do the interview and he's so nice. And I'm like, you know what? People need to leave him alone. Then I see him at Duke, and I'm like, he looks a little bit bigger. Then I see him in the league, I'm like, he looks bigger. And he keep, he's successful. But the thing that I've learned about basketball and your planter and your in front of your knees, um, you know, with my own experience as someone that went from my playing weight at 170, 180 to going to 210, and I got plantar fasciitis, and the doc was like, well, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I dunked the other day. He's like, yeah, you can't do that anymore. I'm like, What? He's like, because when you land, there's not enough. And he goes through all this stuff. I'm like, but I can do it. And he's like, you're going to break. <laughs> so when I see Zion, I'm like, does science not matter to him? Well, apparently it does. So if I'm thinking of being told that at 210, 
I, I don't know how that works and how he continues to play basketball at that weight. And that's why you see guys built more like John Morant or Kevin Durant uh, lasting for so long in the league. So what do the Pelicans do in this situation? I mean, they basically, he's the cornerstone in that franchise. I mean, is there any kind of a plan B in this scenario? Like, how do you go about, I mean, obviously, you know, in terms of diets, in terms of, you know, we heard last, that this, the famous clip of, you know, the Pelicans teaching Zion how to walk, quote unquote, and Charles Barkley walking across the set in terms of how ridiculous that sounds. But what do really the, the Pelicans do in a situation of kind of the, the salvage this whole thing before they maybe have to, you know, resort to cutting bait and, you know, trading him? I mean, if that's the last resort, I mean, is there anything that they can do to salvage the situation? Hope, <laughs> hope that he keeps his weight down and that he's disciplined. The other thing is like, this is a very muscular guy. Like I know people say it's still a lot of muscle and not a, you know, to us, it may seem like, oh, he's not Amari Spellman, right? Like when you see him and you go, oh, that's just all tub. No, he's a, he looks like a defensive end playing basketball. So I don't have the answers for, if I had the answer to these questions, I'd be a general manager. Right. And so I I just hope for the best for him because uh, I think he's a great person and you can't say that about everybody. You know what I mean? And to see him going through this at such a young age is really tough. And I know everyone, you know, like you said, Chuck and Shaq, I mean, those guys crack jokes on everyone. They do. Um, I didn't win championships or am not a top 75 player all time. So I can't really, I don't feel comfortable doing that. So I hope that Zion, you know, figures out how to get his weight down to like 260, which is asking a lot. But I think that has to be the baseline if he's going to have a long NBA career. And that's something Chuck talks about. You know, when he got drafted, he was way overweight and he worked on getting his weight down. And that's why he had a Hall of Fame career. Yeah, I will say also in in Zion's defense, I have, I have a bit of a background in strength and conditioning. It it's tough to keep up with conditioning when you just had foot surgery. I mean, I, I hope we can give the guy some time to get back after it, you know? Um, and, you know, I, I'm totally with you. I, I hope he recuperates well and is a top star in the league as, as was kind of the projection, you know, coming in into the league. Uh, Chris, I, I wanted to ask you just kind of get your eyes on what the vibe is like in Atlanta right now. I've, I'm in Albuquerque, New Mexico. I, I love to get the viewpoint of other NBA cities. They obviously had a very exciting, unexpected uh, by many, I would say the majority postseason run. Uh, Trey Young's been on fire. Um, What's the vibe like in Atlanta right now? Braves, Braves, Braves. <laughs> right? Like, I don't think well, so. I've, yeah. I've always objectively said this, that I don't think, as a basketball person, I don't think anyone pays attention to us until Christmas. Right? So I think for the Hawks, I mean, you got to think the Falcons are awful, but the Braves run is what, you know, if you turn on the local news, as you as we discussed, I just moved here, like, three months ago. So I brought the good luck from DC for the Nats oh, winning the world series go. for the Braves. Like it was all me. It was all you me. Here. <laughs> right. And and for the record, when I lived in, in New York as a kid, the Yankees had a dynasty. Right. So I feel like it's, it, it's, it's all wherever I go, I got the mojo going. <laughs> um, But uh, on a serious note, I think you watch the local news. It's Braves, 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 Braves. Um, congratulations, parade, 
And I think if you get to after Thanksgiving and this team is still where they are, then just no one, there won't be a buzz. But I mean, that's what you got to understand. Last year's run, it was as if they were two years ahead of schedule. Um, you, you talk to anyone in their front office on their coaching staff, they'll tell you, hey, we were just trying to make the playoffs. Um, so I don't know. It's still very early in the year. I think DeAndre Hunter has taken a leap that I was like, oh, if DeAndre Hunter or Cam Reddish pop, then this team's unstoppable. Well, DeAndre Hunter has taken a leap and the team's taking a step back. So I can't figure that out. Um, Chris, one last question for you. And this is kind of, I don't know if, if it's left field, I apologize, but it's just on my mind in terms of it, it's kind of a college pro question in terms of, you know, college athletes having control of their name and likeness and then seeing leagues such as the overtime elite league pop up in terms of, you know, high schoolers bypassing college and making money while they're under the age of 18. What's the, what do you think that's going to have on the NBA, you know, in the future in terms of, you know, breaking that traditional cycle of going to like a Duke, North Carolina, bypassing that, and then just going straight to the G league and going to the NBA. I know we're starting to see that now in terms of youngsters going straight to the, you know, the G league, but where do you think that dynamic and how you think that's going to affect the NBA overall? Do you think we're going to see like a, a better product that we're seeing now? I know it's, it's been pretty fantastic, but do you think we would see even more leaps, you know, in five, you know, 10 years because of these changes, changes we're seeing on the more prep school level? Well, first and foremost, I'm happy that the players are getting paid legally because they've always been getting paid and then they get in trouble after. And it's like, we all see it. We all know it. And if you cover it, you get to know the bag men and it feels weird because these are like teenage kids and you're like, oh, this is, this is messed up. So hopefully that all is cleaned up now, but I think it's, it's all about the success of others. And we saw that with like prep the pros, there was enough success that it lasted for a while, but then you started to see too many kids that didn't work out that the NBA had to step in and stop the prep to pro, right? Like you had Kevin Garnett, Kobe Bryant, but then you had, I don't know, like Jonathan Benders and like all of these other guys that just uh, Lenny Cook, they were like, oh, I'm going to make it. And then just didn't have any direction in their lives. And that's just not what you want as a league. Like you want, even if guys don't make it to kind of have a plan. And that's what college helps out with. Now, I think the success of the G League Ignite players, huge. I mean, Jalen Green going second, Jonathan Kaminga going seventh. That's the start of a wave. That's like, oh, this worked. Let's try this again. Let's run it back. Um, and then LaMelo Ball, I mean, winning rookie of the year. And now that we look at that draft, you go, okay, Ant-Man won. You know, it's, he, he did his thing. Woof. I don't know, Wiseman. I don't know, because you imagine Melo on those Warriors right now. Woo-hoo-hoo. Yeah. I mean. It's true. So when you start to see that, it's like they're different routes and guys being extremely successful. And then it kind of like, oh, well, imagine if the Warriors would have taken LaMelo Ball. As long as that narrative remains there, then when the next guy comes, you don't want to be the team that missed out on the next LaMelo Ball. Right. So um, I I think it's we'll have like a five or 10 year run to see how many um, what are the ramifications for guys that fail and how bad it is, and how great the success stories are. But right now, the success stories are certainly overshadowing uh, the failure. And it's the G League, you know, because now a guy can, you know, not get drafted or go be a two-way player like Killian Hayes, for instance. <sighs> he looks he looks bad, right? But there's 
okay, let's send him to the G League for a while and let's let him develop. Like there are options where the guys just don't disappear. So I think that's great for the league. Chris, this has been awesome, Chad. I know you're a busy guy. Thank you very much for joining us. Can you please let our audience know where they can find you on social media, um, where they can find you on NBA TV, and then anything else you're working on for the rest of the year as well? Yeah, at Chris Miles TV on Instagram and on the Twitter. And I do a lot of different, uh, host a lot of different shows for NBA TV. But the new thing we have is NBA Bet, which is on Monday nights where we're, you know, getting the lines out and the uh, the props out. So watch that Mondays. I think it's 6.30. I know it fluctuates from week to week. And we also have a bet stream. So anytime you see a TNT game, we're on as well. And we're going through the game, showing you the prop bets you can lay in the lines that are down. And then obviously uh, NBA game time and uh, center court and all the shows that we have on NBA TV. I host those as well. So a lot of different places. Awesome, Chris. Thank you very much for your time. Truly appreciate it. All right. Uh, good luck to the Rockets in the future, man. <laughs> <laughs> We need it right now. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>